0: Thanks for
1: joining us. We are recording this part in September of 2023.
0: And welcome to episode 116, a conversation with Brendan Scribner.
1: Well, first, we want to give a shout out to our members who attended our summer book club, which was Principles
0: to Actions. I think people got a lot out of it, right? Yes. And what about you? I I mean it was it was a little dry. I wish that I had read this 10 years ago or whatever 8 years ago, you know when I first started. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would have been more beneficial, but I definitely see where just like how I see with building thinking classrooms like so many things are resolved because of it, like it, things that come up, you know, like there's so many connections to other books, like rough draft math. I see how that fits into BTC mm-hmm. and mathematical mindsets, you know, all the things that we've read afterwards. I'm like, I see how that all fits and combines. So this principles actions really was like the beginning that's, and everything, ex- right? Yes. That's exactly like, how
1: I feel. Like this was the the first book yeah, and now like all the other books came
0: from this book. Yeah, yeah. So, way to so, go, n- NCTM, <laughs> right? And I, I do like it, it. Was it was a lot of things that I can already see, or I, that I'm already n- not doing, but not, but tackling those kinds of issues or ideas because of the things that I know know now. Does that make sense? Right. I, you know, and yeah. if, if
1: you had read this, you know, eleven years ago you would have had that
0: foundation for yeah. all of these things now right 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 yeah yeah so it wasn't like like oh wow that's a new idea or new thinking or i hadn't thought of that like a lot of it just I guess just affirmed what I've already known and what I already do, right? As but good instruction. If you would have read this, <laughs> you know, Sorry. ten years ago, I would have been like, "Oh
1: wow, yeah, this is yeah. great, yeah. yeah." But but again, I feel like those people, those teachers that aren't in our camp, our school of yeah. thought, right, need to read this book
0: as I their mean, jumping I- off point and i think that every new teacher should read this book. That's what i'm saying. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, teachers that are just coming out of college and getting into it. I mean, this should be a college read for sure. You know, where's where where has this book been? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, at the higher ed. Right. Yeah, i agree. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and we also want to thank our members that came to our little book tasting that we yeah, had. Yeah, that
0: was so fun. We'll have to do that again. Was that in August? I feel like that was in August. It was. Okay. Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> the months have just blended. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> and because it's of all, I, I only bought one book. So yay me, right? Yes. Yeah. It was Street Data that um, ah. that I had bought. Yeah. As a recommendation. Yes. Yeah. I know.
0: All right. Karina, give everyone the news about our fall book club. Okay. Well, since we are talking about (laughs) book club and since we are thanking everyone for being a part of this one, we want to cordially invite you to our next book club, which was actually a recommendation as well in our book tasting. And so we will be reading Productive Math Struggle. A Six-Point Action Plan for Fostering Perseverance by John Sangiovanni, Susie Cat, and Kevin Dykema, who's the current president
1: of NCTM. Nice. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, I, I've heard great things about this book, um, and I'm looking forward to getting into it. You know, I'm going to have to talk to John. Because I
1: I was writing in my little shorthand for show notes, I was like, oh, put PTA, principles to actions, productive math struggle. Really, John? Really? Do you see it yet, Karina? No.
0: PMS. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I did not see that. Oh, my God.
1: Uh, Okay. I think he's going to appreciate that. If he didn't already oh, know get, that, that's
0: so funny.
1: Because I've met him, I think like three times, and he is hilarious. And I just uh, listen. I'm gonna tag him on Twitter for this, and hopefully he's that's gonna so listen funny. to this episode. Yeah.
0: um Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. What do we how how are we gonna shorthand this? We <laughs> usually always shorthand. I guess it's gonna be PMS. I, I guess. I mean, it's productive math struggle. It is. It is. Oh my god. That's so funny
1: okay i have a reflection for this week uh this past week and my friend is okay but she was in a car accident oh no and um i got the phone call from her wednesday morning right before school started she was on 95 middle of an accordion it just yes so she's our teacher that does the three accelerated math classes at our school oh gosh so it's not like a sub could just walk in i mean first of all there's no plans like it you know she's she's got her own thing and and any day that she's out i sub for her right Right. and thank god the day before i had texted her hey have you given grade three their math test yet or i asked her something And she was like, no, not yet. And and the fourth grade are going to take it tomorrow. And um, I knew, that she, and I think she said the fifth grade took it today or something like that. Whatever it was, two yeah. of the three classes needed to take a test on Wednesday. I was like, yes, you know, <laughs> that way I didn't have to like scramble wow. for plans. But one of the classes I taught and I, I don't, big blur. I don't even remember what, what it was. Oh, you know what? It was the fifth graders who were taking the sixth grade stuff. They had already taken their test and they were starting their rational numbers unit and it was about integers. Now, mm-hmm. Karina, ask me the last time I taught integers. Uh, <laughs> when did I teach middle school? 20 something years ago? And of course, yeah. I taught it all procedurally back then. Correct. And then, yeah. I've learned about using the two color counters, right? Yes, yes. However, their class was like the second period with I had zero prep time. Okay. So I'm literally saying to myself, please, God, help me remember what to do with these integer chips because it's been a hot minute since yeah. I, I mean, you and I did it, didn't we? At a tape yeah. like my dining room table one day years ago. Yes, yes. So the first question, I totally messed it up with the integer chips, but that's okay because by, I think it was like the second or third one, I was like, huh, maybe I did the first one wrong, and which which I did, but it, it was basically finding the difference of the morning temperature, which was in the negatives to whatever the Fahrenheit was, and it was degrees Celsius, so we had a whole conversation about Fahrenheit and Celsius and all of this. Right, right. Because we don't use Celsius, right? That's correct. Well, metric. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. You do, but we don't. Yeah. Uh, I get through the lesson, and uh, about half the kids on their way out thanked me. oh They were like, "Thank you so much. I really understand this." But but, and I'm thinking, really? Because I don't know if I understand it. I mean, I. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Aww. I do, but like, they were so grateful. Aww. And so for the next two days, I plowed through it and, you know, did all the things. But God bless my accelerated math teacher because she's doing five levels of math right now for three grades because it's it's the third grade and half of fourth for the third graders, half of fourth, but not really. And all the fifth for the fourth graders and then all the sixth and half the seventh for the fifth graders. It's yeah, it wow. is
0: crazy, crazy. Yeah. But wow, I, my reflection for this week is that just to bring back thirteen rules that expire. Oh yeah, because one yes, of the favorites. Bring, let's bring that back because I this year more than any other. I don't know. Well, I think I know why. Yeah, I, I think to, I know why. I think I, I have. Know where you're going. I have a high hypothesis about why, but. um I'm pretty sure that in – I have to go back and look, Laura. You're going to confirm this for me. It does talk about calling them flats, rods, and units, right, in that In the book uh, or in the article?
1: Um, I think so.
0: I I think that's where I've seen it. Or maybe
1: that's where I asked Sarah, why are you calling them ones, tens, hundreds? I think it's the opposite. Of what you're saying, okay. I think it okay. said so, but it did, tens, hundreds.
0: it did have us. It did have us talk about it, right? Yes. When we when we read it, so that's why I'm remembering it. Um, let's talk about the importance of calling it a small cube or a unit and a rod and a flat. And I a know large exactly cube. where you're
1: going with this because
0: I had those lessons this week. Okay, so I. I did not I did not know how hard it was going to be this year because I have not seen this before. My students are used to calling the small cubes or the units ones. ones. Yep. and they're and they're used to the rod being a 10 and the flat yes. being 100. And so when I asked them to represent a decimal in a different way, which I had them do, I actually we all started with two and 43 hundredths. Oh, God. And No, no, no. It was good. And I had them actually cut. I'll t- I'll take a picture and put it up on my bulletin okay. board. It's It looks really nice, actually, because it was really colorful and everyone did it a different way. And it was the crea- – I mean, the creativity, right, that it lended itself to was great. Uh, some of it took a little bit longer, but we – because, of course, I had one student that was like, I'm going to cut them all. And so I have – Uh, um, hundreds right so that's fine but that's fine but we cut he cut it out or two of them actually but we all like it was like three of us or four of us that were that went and glued all the pieces on the paper so it was a team joint effort but but it was really great however when I first showed my example of two flats four rods and uh, three unit cubes and I said, how many ones are represented if a flat is equal to one? How many ones are represented in this number? And they said three. I couldn't – I was like – I I had to I, – I was like looking at my number and I couldn't figure out why they were saying that there were three when I was like, no, no, one flat – and I'm like pat holding it – one flat – is equal to one whole. So how many ones are there? And still three. And I'm like, what are you guys? Ta-? And I had to like back up for a minute because they and had look at three at it. hundredths, and they were three calling hundredths. that three. Yes. So they kept saying three, and I I couldn't yeah. like my brain wasn't getting it why they were so confused. But that is why mm-hmm. because now you're you're naming the model on, on the place value. And when that model changes, Mm -hmm. they can't, they don't see it. No. So, oh, so that was a great moment of, um, okay, this now has to be a conversation with some of the fourth grade teachers. But it, Um, it has to go all the way down. It does. It does. But especially I think fourth grade, you know, can start because they're, they, they, discuss decimals. So it should be something that they've seen in fourth grade. But um, third and second, they need right. to say,
1: yes. if this is worth blank, how much is this worth?
0: Yes, like it's 100%. It's all
1: about the representation, relationship, the yeah. relationship of the base 10. It, it yes. really is. Yes. yeah. I started so. that lesson saying, your teachers have lied to you, sorry, but today I'm going to call this. A yeah. one, you know, this is worth one. So if this is yeah. worth one, how much is the rod? You know, how much is this yeah. worth? And I would just hold it up. And yes, yeah, some of the kids I think it's been three days, they still haven't wrapped their heads around that. Oh
0: God, no. No. I've I mean, it's been it's been more than three days for us, and it's they still haven't gotten there because now, like you said, I'm really going against three years, four years yes. of instruction. Yes. So yeah. Um, or habit, habit i guess 4 years of habit so i d- but i did approach the the new teachers last year and one of them was like ooh is are my kids saying that and i said i don't i don't know i don't know which ones right. were yours but i just wanted you to be aware that right. we really shouldn't call these by their place value but just by the name of the model and she's like oh my gosh i didn't know and i'm like it's okay you didn't you don't know what you don't know you right. know that's all right but now now you do, and now you can maybe change the language, and yes. and hopefully it'll be a little bit more clear for students. So she was open to that. So we, it was a good conversation. So it was it was good. So I just want to bring that back up to everyone's like front burner so that they can yes. think about it and maybe go back and reread that article. It's on my to do list as well. Okay. Well, I'm putting it in our show notes. Uh, good news,
1: Karina this this past week yes i was on a google meet with skip fennel now for those of you who don't know who skip is he is a past president of nctm and a whole bunch of other letter acronym organizations okay but since i've joined (laughs) nctm letters well, like, you know, different organizations. Know. It's some, all good. It's all good. Yeah. I, I don't even know, know what it was. Like it's funny. AMTE and it's not ABCD, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about coaching and all of this, but since I've I joined NCTM, which I didn't become a member until two thousand twelve, because that's when I went to the Mickelson Exxon Mobile Teachers Academy. Yeah. And they gifted us a membership to oh. NCTM and NSTA for a year
0: oh wow Anyways,
1: I have to go look and see when Skip was president because that'd be hilarious if it like coincided with that year but he has authored many books and I just have such respect for this man yeah it's just like I and it was such a great conversation but I it was okay but he said he knew who I was what <laughs> He said he knew I had a podcast. I'm like, what? Like, who am I? I'm. I'm just. Just. Did a you find you. out? No. But yeah, did, did you
0: find out? You I did. didn't.
1: But when, when I go to NCTM and and NCSM conferences in October, I will ask him for sure. How but he also he found did. I, how I he knew about us. Yeah, I did tell him. Um, I wanted him to be a. a guest on our podcast so i yeah. sent him the be our guest form and he already filled it out so
0: oh, good so he'll be upcoming then that's
1: right maybe we'll see we'll see what happens we'll see yep yay all right and now here's a conversation with brendan well we are so thrilled to have my new friend and well Really new to you, Karina, Brendan Scribner. He and I met in Indiana at the Building Thinking Classrooms Conference, and
0: I was his Uber. <laughs> okay, so tell us more about that. How did that happen? How did you become his, his Uber? <laughs> I, I think
1: the night before the conference, when there was a bunch of us sitting in a hotel lobby. So, our friend Tammy from our book club had put yes. together a Let's Get Together um, event. That Wednesday night. So the conference was Thursday and Friday. And she put it together. She's like, let's meet at Starbucks at seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. So there were uh, at least a dozen of us, I would say. And we're all yipping and yapping and you know, we ordered stuff or something. And then at 755, one of the employees comes over and says, We close at eight. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm staying at the Hampton. I know that Tammy and Nicole were staying at the Fairfield. I was like, which hotel lobby should we go to? And someone said, I heard Peter staying at the Fairfield. I'm like, let's go to the Fairfield. Here we go. (laughs) So we all go over there and we're all sitting around. And um, I'll save like that story of what exactly happened in the hotel lobby for when we debrief our BTC conference. And okay. the next thing I know, some guy joined our photo. I'm like, who is this? And of, of course, you know, he stayed with us when we were yipping and yappin'. And I said, well, I'm driving tomorrow if anybody needs a ride. Because they did have a shuttle, uh, a bus right. that came. But so Brendan joined, Laura from New England joined, and Heidi, I don't even remember where Heidi's from. Sorry, Heidi. Maybe Brendan will remember. <laughs> And um, that's it. We I just became the Uber. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that's, that's awesome.
2: <laughs> and I, I want to say thank you for being the Uber. <laughs>
1: You're um, welcome. Uh,
2: like the whole inspiration of a podcast sometimes is we share stories and the, the things that teachers can talk about when they're together for small moments yeah. are so critical. And in a way, uh, Laura, uh, we, we broke down the walls of our classrooms and our schools, and we uh, were open uh, to people from different places. Like I'm from Vermont, and you're in Florida, and I would probably never get the chance um, to hang out with thinkers um, from Florida unless I went there right and to meet up in a hotel lobby. <laughs> Um, with, we had a teacher from, uh, New Hampshire, Idaho, Massachusetts. Um, I want to say Illinois, uh, um, and then Kentucky. Mm -hmm. I think we had a Kentucky, um, and this um, amazing group of educators all for one purpose. Right. Uh, and that's about thinking. And so it was so great to have you as an Uber driver. Well,
1: not only was it Uber, I think we did great PD back and forth. On the way to the conference and on the way back, like we would debrief the sessions right. or, you know, we'd go off topic onto something else. Like I felt like, didn't we talk about that, Brendan, that that was like one of the best PDs we've ever had in the car?
2: <laughs> yeah. And consolidating our thinking. Like we all yeah. went off from like octopus tentacles into the uh, sessions and we uh, frequently were in different sessions and or leading our own or leading a round table. Um that Keep Indiana Learning conference was just spectacular. And then coming back together, um, I didn't have to attend other things because I could get the five to ten minute summation that you offered or or that Laura offered. It was so great.
1: Yeah, other Laura, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we have other Karina. <laughs> yeah. So Brendan, tell our listeners all about you.
2: All right, about me. I could start a long time ago on a dairy farm, uh, or I'll fast forward. I'll fast forward. <laughs> I'll talk about my teaching self. Um, as a teacher, I taught for twenty-five years, uh, sixth grade, then fifth grade, then fourth grade. Uh, the last twenty years, uh, twenty-two years in fourth grade, uh, really found a niche there. Um, myself as a teacher, an interesting thing happened to me. A pivot point happened to me as a classroom teacher. These exemplars performance tasks came into my life (laughs) and the exemplars performance tasks came into my life Um, here i was as a new teacher everything i did as a math teacher was procedural Mm -hmm. i was i was looking for students to mimic i would do something uh, they would do it and then we would summarize how close did they get to my expect expectation of mimicry but then my math coach, who I saw once on my second year of teaching, she came in with a C-ring binder of uh, performance tasks, story problems, and handed it to me. And she said, do these. And I was like, oh, there's something else. <laughs> um, and, and so it sort of started my journey of like the next 10 to 12 years as a math educator of, of saying, all right, I have this procedurally driven math curriculum and I'm being evaluated on how well students Can compute and my test scores. And then I also saw this beauty of mathematical thinking happening uh, with the performance tasks I was using, but I had no training. And so fast forward in the last uh, 10 years, I was fortunate to receive training on how to use how the design of a performance task uh, would be implemented in a classroom. And then I, for 10 consecutive years after that, adapted it continually adapted it to the community of learners in my classroom. And then 2020 happened. There was this thing <laughs> where we all got to go sit on screens, this thing. And I, of course, like all of us, uh, I went to remote teaching. I was terrible. I was uh, just a terrible remote teacher. I had so much going on at home with a kid at home, Uh, um, I was hospicing someone at home. We had to put our dog down, um, and it was all in these three months. And, um, I was terrible. I couldn't attend to lessons and didn't know how to, how to properly, uh, teach remotely zero training. Like most of us, right. Like take an entire curriculum and now teach fourth graders. And then the opportunity came in my community. We were looking for some families had a chance. They had a choice. Uh, Would you like to have your um, student learn remotely in the next school year or come back to school? For the first time in my life, I made this decision. Well, I was really terrible at something and I want to keep going. I failed miserably and I want to persevere and I want to get better. And when I was asked, why do you want to teach remotely? It's because I stunk at it the first time. (laughs) And there's only one way this can go. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, It can only go up.
2: (laughs) Like I can show improvement, um, and so I was tasked with this uh, collection of fourth and fifth graders. Um, and the and you know usually when classes are made, they're thought of as like how do we fit these kids together to build a community. Going remote, it was like whoever wanted it. So I had a really uh, interesting collection of kiddos with some um, incredible skills that never could shine in school and in that time march 2020 two pivotal things happened for me um peter lilydahl's book uh, building the thinking classroom in mathematics was published as well as uh, amanda jansen's book rough draft thinking Mm -hmm. Um, and both were written sort of like in person like with the target audience But there I was building these Google Slides every single day. I would get up at four in the morning and I'm thinking about what students did yesterday. And I'm building my slide decks for my fourth graders and my fifth graders for science, social studies, math, ELA. And the same time and to get away from the screen late night, I would open up these two books and read passages going, I can do this remotely. This is how I need to teach remotely. I need to incorporate ways for students to think and think differently. Um, and zoom was created for the thinking classroom. I got random groups. I got vertical thinking spaces, if you will, Mm -hmm. if you call it your screen, I've got whiteboards. (laughs) Um, and we had this natural consolidation when we came out of our zooms. And, um, so I started my building thinking classroom progress there remotely.
0: Wow.
1: Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So for those listeners who aren't familiar with Exemplars, can you give us a little insight into that?
2: Sure. Uh, so Exemplars uh, Mathematics is a Vermont-based um, problem-solving performance task company. Um, and I'm actually at their site right now in beautiful Underhill, Vermont. We just had um, one of my former students, a little sideway, Noah Kahn, just performed in concert. Um, if you've ever heard of Noah Khan, look him up. That's my Noah Kahn plug, my love for my <laughs> former fourth grader, who probably benefited from solving exemplars performance
1: tasks. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. for sure.
2: So it's a perf- um, performance test, and it started long ago. Um, the great Ross Brewer saw a need in the state of Vermont for looking at student work and scoring student work um, and training teachers on how to uh, score student work. And so it sort of evolved over the last 30 years to the point where now uh, we have two libraries. We, one is a digital platform, which uh, you can, if you, let's say you're teaching uh, to a standard, something like numbers and operations, and you need a performance task that aligns with your uh, current unit of study. Um, I found as myself using illustrative mathematics, curriculum materials, I can just embed quickly uh, a performance task anywhere within my unit, like beginning, middle and end. And the performance task is all about problem solving, and it's built upon um, the five um, practices. Uh, five practices, And you take students through a problem solving task of you have an engagement image, um, then you do a launch with them, you, they identify what they're trying to solve, they come up with multiple uh, pathways and representations, and then they try to uh, really consolidate their thinking into a solution. And uh, on August 22nd of this year, we'll be uh, meeting with Peter Liljadal and sort of unpacking one in a webinar on EdWeb. Um, So we're we're really trying to make sure um, we take these performance tasks and think about how can they enhance a student's mathematical journey? How can they improve student thinking? Um, And the thing that I love about them is there's this natural rich classroom discourse that happens among the students And so talk moves um, and moving to vertical surfaces where students are engaged with coming up with multiple ways to solve the same story problem. And then how do we as a class use Peg Smith's great work and the five practices to sort of try to consolidate and which is right up uh, with how Peter Lillydahl will have us consolidate and choosing. uh, I think he uses the phrase consolidate from the bottom Mm -hmm. or we're Mm -hmm. leveling from where most students are to engage more students. So we select those three pieces of work of the performance task, and then we annotate and discuss and students talk about um, the difference with a solution. And what I really love about the exemplars performance task is you can start to see a progression of mathematical thinking. Uh, You might see one student use a number line. You might see another set of students using an array. Another student might have a T table. And then it's I as the teacher can piece those together for the mathematical story. And the reason the exemplars tasks are great is we have worked examples that are scored. We also have a preliminary planning sheet. So when I'm entering a task, I can use that preliminary planning sheet as a lesson. I have vocabulary, the content, I have the math practices. I have the standard, I have possible solutions. So I've already thought about the five practices before entering the task.
1: So mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, the questions that I wrote down, Karina, he's already answered. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I was like, what are they? How can they be connected to BTC? <laughs> okay. I know. Tell us more about the work, worked examples, if you could. So the worked examples
2: are actually student work samples. Mm-hmm. So uh, when exemplars uh, began, one of the moves in the state of Vermont was to score student work Mm -hmm. and so we would have these really large gatherings led by our math guru in the state of vermont deb armitage and deb would train teachers they would come together with these student work pieces and they would learn to calibrate the scoring to a rubric and so they would do like these week-long sessions of scoring student work and as they score for problem solving communication uh, reasoning and representation uh, and connections they would um, come, come up with the criteria which built the rubric so that they could score. And then, so we have uh, a, a library of worked student examples that showcase them at four different levels, the novice, apprentice, practitioner, and mm-hmm. scholar. And the beautiful part about those worked examples is they stem from this library of tasks. There's over a thousand in the K-8 library, thousand tasks. And the tasks are uh, built with three levels. And so you can think about building thinking classroom, mild, medium, and spicy, Right. Uh, you can enter a task at a mild and, or a student might choose a spicy, but you as the teacher can decide. I, as a fourth grade teacher, always used the spicy. My students, I just gave them the highest challenge possible at all times. Like I'm setting a, like a John Hattie-esque high bar High expectation, high and we're going to do this together. Yeah. Um, to the point where they are doing it independently.
0: So I, I, obviously, in those tasks, it would show like the common misconceptions and things that may may like stump students where they have the most trouble.
2: Yeah, and Karina, that's what's great is uh, like if I if I'm starting a task in any curriculum, right? I often I don't have work samples. Right. And I can start a task by just giving students a solution that's like a novice. And I could ask them, what's the next step? What advice could we give this fictitious learner? What more could they add? What What's the next representation that would make sense? And you can actually teach from a student lens from just the work samples.
0: Right. I love that. Yeah. Because that's what I, I feel like I don't have enough of that, right? Examples, student created examples, student work, so that we can have a conversation of, okay, where's, is this correct? Is this a correct solution? Is this an efficient way to solve the problem? Is there a more efficient way, you know, have to have that conversation, I think is really powerful for students. So I, I love that it includes those things.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's, it puts us as the facilitator of learning mm-hmm. in an interesting spot, right? We have to have an understanding of our grade level curriculum. Yeah have an understanding of the grade level before and after and that progression. And so I can you can use a task to elicit that from the students. Like some students will will still be using additive reasoning for a multiplicative problem. And that's okay. And then in the consolidation we can show it and show exactly what you said multiple ways. And also there is a pursuit of efficiency, right? Like with a Most people are driven by an ask for efficiency. Um, And I know um, as a fourth grade teacher, my fifth grade friend would always say to me, Brendan, it takes them like an hour to solve the problem. And yeah, they solved it nine different ways and they were all correct, but can you get them to be more efficient?
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Right. But it's like you said too. In 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 fifth grade, I don't want my students to be still in that additive reasoning. Right. I do want them to think multiplicatively, and that's right. that's a hard transition for a lot of kids because it's so. Oh, <laughs> they get right. they do get stuck. They yeah. get uh, for some of them they just they aren't ready to to move on to that next step because they just don't have. The needed foundation, right? We think yeah. that just memorizing facts will get them there, but it doesn't because yeah. they they don't understand what's happening. It's that yeah. reasoning. Yeah, and I
2: think, and it's such a gift to have. Um, we always have to remember to consolidate. Like, yeah, consolidate, consolidate, consolidate. And the consolidate could happen individually before whole class or whole class then individually. And I think you have to trust yourself as a, a educator whether you allow the consolidation to happen individually where a student's trying to make sense of something and then pause and linger till the next day. Or we consolidate as a class and then the student can go to the spaces and consolidate their own thinking.
0: Yeah, Uh, I think that's a good tip. I I like the idea of consolidating the next day because I, I feel like when I first started BTC, that was the hardest part for me was that consolidation was, okay, I have all this work up in front of me, but now what? Right. right? Like how do I how do I quickly put this all together so that it makes sense? Cuz some days it flows beautifully. You can see the sequence of it and it's it's wonderful. Those are your ah oh, great days. But sometimes it's it's tough. Do you have any other tips? Cuz I love the idea of just waiting for the next day cuz then at least you can as a teacher, you can look at it, think about it, reflect on it yourself
2: and then approach it with the kids. Yeah, I think um, letting students linger, let them yeah. linger and, and marinate, let them go home, let them uh, have a have a thought time, because then we're um, valuing really perseverance and mathematical thinking mm-hmm. and sort of a mindset of not yet by allowing them, we're, we're not trying to race to a finish. Time mm-hmm. is not our issue. And I know that's the number one thing I always heard in a school like, oh, we don't have enough time. Uh, well, let's just, let's remove time. What do we really need? I think another really good tip for me is lesson study. And whatever we define lesson study as, like for me, exemplars tasks are, and any pick a task from any curriculum, mm-hmm. take a lesson, and you, you teach that lesson in your classroom. But we've got to do some planning with typical lesson studies. Like you might meet with your grade level team and have conversations about planning this one lesson. Then you invite some team members in and they watch you teach the lesson. Quick debrief. Then I'll go watch my colleague teach the same lesson. Quick debrief. Then my next colleague teach the same lesson. Quick debrief. And then looking at the student work um, is so pivotal. One really great lesson study that I've been able to do with some of my peers would be we took an exemplars task. That's what why it was so rich for me. We took a task. We agreed upon the task. We had the same uh, resource and materials. We didn't discuss it we went in and we taught we came back with ramp three random pieces of work from each of our classrooms and we laid them out and did sort of a notice and wonder and what were some of the strengths that we saw first and then what were some areas to improve on and then we pulled out of the task and looked from above and just said what instructional moves can we make and we clearly saw like one uh, one group wanted to underline keywords and highlight keywords in a task. <laughs>
1: you saw my face.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I felt it. I felt it. Um, <laughs> uh, one group had like rich representations and multiple types of representations. And another group just went neatly right to a solution with procedures. And because there were five of us, we had this rich cross section and we talked about what do we value as a 4th grade team and uh, it was a like a seminal moment and i only wish that we could have done it more right but we ran out of time,
1: time. <laughs> you know i'm cuz that took
2: yeah that took an hour so go ahead. yeah and
1: i was going to say i kind of did this with the 2nd grade team this past year because one of the standards is about comparative relational thinking even down in 2nd grade and I had them use an open middle task after they, you know, had taught the lesson and we got the results back from their assessment and it was like super poor. So I was like, all right, how about let's try this? And we again, that's what they did. They went back into their classrooms, did their own thing. We came back with their work. And gosh, I didn't even think about calling that lesson study because I think it's so you know supposed to be so formal and you know go into each person's room and everything. And again, who has time for that? But yeah, I feel like, yeah, I have done lesson study and more than once. So thank you for saying that. Yeah. Um I have two other questions for you. Yeah. Since you went to the BTC conference, and this might take you a while to think about. But what was your biggest takeaway, or if you had to name two? <laughs> Because I know just one would be hard from the BTC conference.
2: I think my first takeaway is keep Indiana learning. Melissa McCain and all of the team, Lena, Jeff, uh, the the people behind it, Courtney, Amanda, that they built a teacher focused conference that had, I think it was over a hundred sessions led by teachers.
1: Easily. And
2: I have never been to a conference that spoke a teacher voice in this way. Um, I've been to NCTM, uh, ASCD, and NCSM. And if you look through those programs, you're going to find published author, published author, professor, published author, based on the research, research suggests. But at BTC, it was about practitioners who are out there trying things. And I think that led me to this takeaway of, this thing is a movement and it's not going to look the same. And I can walk in, I could walk into a session. I would learn one thing and I would take that one thing and I'm ruminating and I go 15 minutes later to another session and my one thing would start to reshape. Um, and that one thing by the end of the day has been molded. And then I hop in my Uber with Laura <laughs> two more things, and, and all of a sudden something coalesces um, like, I need to move my boards closer together. Um, simple little things are how I launch my task. Where do I stand? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, walking up with a marker and circling something and going, ah, and walking away. So I think it, it was because of the voice and the way that it was built, like the fireside chats, the round roundtables, um, the, the, the podcast was, it was just beautiful to watch Courtney and work at work. The panel discussions to me were the, uh, when we had educators talking about BTC, and then when we had the opportunity to listen to Peter and his team mm-hmm. talk about it back to back, that was such a, profa- it was like the exclamation point at the end of the sentence. Right,
1: mm, right. Wow. And- so that's
2: my one takeaway.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have another one?
2: Yeah, I think my other one is just community. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, to strip down the walls. It was perfect timing for me—the end of the school year—to go to Indiana, middle of nowhere, middle of nowhere, um, where slightly hazy, maybe a tornado warning. Yeah, um, that that happened. Yeah, and just to be in a immersed in a community. My my classroom. I've got my students. I've got my grade level colleagues. I can knock on their door, poke in. But here, it was like everybody was there for one reason.
1: Mm-hmm. I loved it. And so can you tell us what's coming up for yourself this school year?
2: Woo. So, yeah, I, I am taking a leave of absence from after 25 years. And part of my inspiration was things like building a thinking classroom. Are there other ways to think about this, Brendan? And so I'm taking a year and I'm working with Exemplars Mathematics in Underhill, Vermont. I also facilitate training sessions for teachers with Illustrative Mathematics and in the course of this coming year I will be presenting let's see I presented at building thinking classrooms in Indiana I'm going to present at the New Jersey State Conference I'm going to present at the New England Math Conference in Portland Maine I will attend NCTM in DC and NCSM and I and for the first time in my teaching career and I hope every teacher can do this I wrote proposals for the first time to ever to speak at conferences I wrote 7 I got into all seven.
0: Wow. Wow.
2: Yeah. I had to turn down sessions because I can't afford to go to Palm Springs to see and to to the South Conference. Um, I couldn't afford to go to Michigan to their state conference, but uh, up in the New York state. And I think the world of math is hungry for math educators like those who were in Indiana. Step outside of our comfort zone, get in front of a room full of teachers and just share a little bit of our math story and something that works for us. It doesn't have to be perfect. It can be, as Chase Orton will say, you know, it's unfinished.
1: And imperfect.
2: imperfect. (laughs) Yep, a little plug for Chase Orton. Yay, Chase. Yeah, you you know, we're all on this journey, um, and just being in a room with other teachers is probably the greatest PD. You know, grab, what's it, Peter said, grab a buddy, grab a board, and do some math,
1: right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast and giving us your time, because we all know time is valuable. Um, I will see you at NCTM and NCSM. Which one is first? NCSM?
2: NCTM this time is first. Okay. October 25th.
0: Okay. Well, and then the next BTC conference, isn't that in Arizona, right? Yeah. Isn't there another one coming up next summer?
2: Right. Yeah, I think our good friend Kim Rimby is in Arizona, so maybe she'll be sort of featured um, in all of her great work with like KP Consulting and her, I don't know if you've seen her 10 frame, uh, 10 tile kits, but they're pretty fabulous. No, I have have not. I'll have to
1: reach (laughs) out. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Uh, And by the way, it's going to be the first time I'm going to NCSM and NCTM annual i've been to one nctm regional but that was because it was in orlando so that was pretty
2: will, you, will your uber car be there
1: my, <laughs> in dc my uber car will not be there <laughs> yeah,
0: sure. i think we're we'll gonna have to take
2: together then
0: public transportation yes
2: <laughs> yeah, see some sites
0: awesome well you- yes yeah, thank you so much brandon this was a this was a real treat
2: awesome it was a pleasure to be with you and maybe we'll do this again sounds good absolutely
1: Okay, listeners, I don't think I uh, we told you this, but I think we recorded that in August or September. <laughs> no, it was July no. or August. Was it July? I think it was July, yes. I think it was July, yeah, that we recorded that episode with him. Great, great conversation. Yes. And so here's your challenge for this week. We want to know, what's your favorite talk move? Make mm. sure you tag us on Twitter, which we have forgotten to say for the past other two episodes for season four. And we can't wait to see what you say. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learningthroughmath.
0: We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too.